0: For the week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Rentner. How are you doing, Roger?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about changes we expected to see at the FCC with the Biden administration. One of the first dominoes that we predicted was going to fall was that typically the FCC chairman will announce... That they're going to step down before the inauguration of the new president. And recently, Ajit Pai, uh, the chairman of the FCC, announced his resignation. I thought we could spend some time today talking through some of his accomplishments during his four-year tenure. What do you think?
1: Sure. You know, I think Ajit Pai was a significant departure of Chairman Wheeler, the the last uh, Democratic uh, FCC chairman, and. When you look at it, Chairman Pai brought it kind of back to to its core mission, right? And I want to point to three items, and then we can talk about some other things. One of the items that was pretty big early on was the infrastructure order, which significantly accelerates the deployment of wireless infrastructure in this country, and it puts Everybody on a, on a shot clock and allows to do this you know, much more efficiently. Also, as part of this was a restriction on the cost that municipalities can charge to carriers for anything that they put on a municipally owned infrastructure, which was significantly lower than what the carriers had negotiated previously with the cities. And so on one hand, it lowered significantly the cost, and it was like, what, $170 uh a month for for an installation, down from, you know, when you look at some of the contracts that, for example, Verizon signed with Boston and with Sacramento and San Jose, that was more like in the $1,000 range. Plus, they had to throw in things like, smart city things and investments in in training and all of these things so suddenly all of these contracts were like thrown into disarray and predictably the the cities you know have sued against it because they they viewed uh, especially 5G with thousands of of cell sites on every uh, street corner as a real money generator that they can do Instead of taxing their inhabitants and the local businesses, they can simply put a tax on on the carriers with 5G. So that was one big achievement. I think the other huge achievement was under Ajit Pai, the FCC auctioned off more spectrum for 5G or mobile carriers than all previous FCC chairmen combined. It's just a massive amount, especially in 5G, but he also was able to get the lower bands going. The C-band auction, which is coming up now, was also under his auspices. So he really helped to do this and provide spectrum to carriers where the U.S. Was, was significantly behind.
0: Well, and as as you say, the more spectrum you have, the faster 5G correct. goes, correct? So per megahertz 5G is not much more faster than 4G but the speed speeds that 5G achieves are generally due to much much higher amounts of spectrum put behind them
1: yeah it's basically a bigger putting a bigger pipe when you measure it in megahertz is what makes the difference between 4G and 5G and then he he also adjusted the CBRS rules which were basically unusable the way the, the Wheeler administration had done it as a favor to Silicon Valley, and then nobody showed up and used it. So, you know, after five years of basically leaving that that prime 5G spectrum band uh, fallow, we now have it still as a combination of of PALs, priority access licenses, and general access licenses, which are basically unlicensed, the general access. Uh, so that was a big, big difference. We we see now deployments all over the place. It would have been so much nicer if, you know, 10 years ago, we would have set this aside for 5G and for carriers, just like the rest of the world has been doing. And I think then the most controversial item, which probably has, from, from an American consumer perspective, the least impact is he repealed the Title II net neutrality laws and the internet worked fine before the net neutrality laws the internet worked fine with the net neutrality laws but we had less investment despite what a lot of people said that the internet would come to a screeching halt we still have faster internet than we had ever before more usage all of these things so title II net neutrality helps the edge providers greatly because it it hobbles the carriers in their ability to innovate right at the time with 5G when when the core network is becoming smarter than ever with network slicing and things like that and edge compute but you know as we talked last week uh, or the week before with Dominic Asanski it's all about where is the control of the network and uh, of the network the edge provider wanted at the edge and want to make the the network dumb the Carriers don't want to be dumb pipes, and I think you don't want to have dumb pipes, basically. It it, is my position. But what will be very interesting is that what the new administration will do, right? And maybe we will get to a legislative solution, something that was much talked about and little done about it, and get it resolved out of the agency here. Because... If the new FCC chairman pushes through net neutrality with Title II again, somebody will sue. It will go to the D.C. District Court. The D.C. District Court will say, I've seen this movie before. I'm bored. What is new here? So first you came in and said you needed it. Then you said you didn't need it. Now you need it again. Go away and come back when this is settled when you make up your mind, because it's a really bad use of of judges' time to relegitate the the same thing over and over and over again, right? And so that's why we need a legislative solution here so that not every administration then changes back the rules to whatever they like. So I think those are the three items here. The other big item is you know they approved the merger between Sprint and T-Mobile which basically completely reshaped and reshapes and will reshape the mobile industry here in the United States i always said that you know democrats let the let an industry consolidate down to four republicans down to 3 and that's what basically happened right
0: well i mean for many many years sprint was kind of limping along and feeding the industry Subscribers now that they're with T Mobile, T Mobile is able to use their very strong spectrum position as well as you know, T Mobile's kind of core competency, which is around a lot of cutting fees and, and all of their uncarrier moves, right? So, yeah, to, together I think that Sprint and, and T Mobile are more than the sum of their parts.
1: Oh, absolutely, but that's exactly the argument that both parties made to Chairman Wheeler, and he disagreed and said you know don't bring this or i will vote it down and it was the same argument that was made when ATT wanted to buy t-mobile right from that perspective that argument could have been made it's just like to who do you make it right so the two surprising things that that basically happened here were one was that the merger happened without spectrum divestitures typically in scenarios where one carrier has double or triple the spectrum of another, led into spectrum diverse stitches. This didn't happen with T-Mobile Sprint. So now T-Mobile likes to point out they have double the spectrum of AT&T and three times the spectrum of, of Verizon, and they have nothing in the mid-band until the C-band auction. That gives T-Mobile a huge advantage in the market.
0: Well, and it really forces the hand of, of Verizon and AT&T in the C-band auction, right? Correct. there's no other way to- to get that spectrum without leasing it from somebody who already has it, right?
1: Yes, and then the other surprising thing is since the beginning of the CMRS reports, the FCC does every year a report to Congress on the state of wireless. And for forever, the FCC said that MVNOs are not viable competitors, that they should not be taken into consideration as a viable company. And then the FCC under Chairman Pai made a condition of approving the merger that they spin off the prepaid brand from Sprint to an MVNO dish who would be this new carrier, right? But is an MVNO for for the first several years. That was kind of puzzling. They kind of reintroduced a fourth carrier that hopefully will 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 be viable but then the question becomes will dish become the new sprint right because one of the big problems with sprint was that it had horrible financial position and didn't have the financial wherewithal to do everything they wanted
0: well i mean the flip side here too is that Dish's core satellite business has been losing subscribers fairly consistently for quite some time, similar to direct TVs, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not like you've got a business that's that's backed by a cash cow that you're able to re, really invest heavily in, although the, there are obviously are plans to invest heavily uh, in the new dish network. The satellite business is more like a boat anchor than a cash cow, right?
1: Yeah, around the net. You know, Charlie Ergen got into, into buying wireless licenses when he realized that the death of of linear television and his satellite business is at the horizon. That if he if he draws a line, he can see when both his subscriber number hits zero and his satellite hit the ground, right? So he gets into into wireless, which is a very expensive business to be in. We'll see how it works out with the funding. Dish just launched another special financing vehicle, all of these things. But the faster he expands, the faster he will burn money right? It takes a year for a customer to become, you know, cash flow positive. So it will be very interesting. And this will be part of the legacy of Chairman Pai that we can only rightfully look at in five to 10 years. It certainly was a very consequential term for, for an FCC chairman. I think he got a lot done. As always, when you get a lot done, you know, some people love what, he, what you're doing, and some people absolutely hated it, right? I thought he was a good chairman who did a lot for the industry. And at the same time, he followed Republican orthodoxy in the time of Trump, which was very interesting to see. All
0: right. Well, I think that's all we have time for this week. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks, Roger.
1: Thank you. Take care.